Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. Each week we read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about the characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show. We'll also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and other Moon Knight related news. My name is Dwayne, and with me again is Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, good to be here, Dwayne. It Excited is... to talk about these books this week. We're here. <laughs> We've finally arrived at the present, the current day Moon Knight Volume 9 run, which premiered in the summer of 2021 and is still ongoing. In fact, there's a new issue coming out later this month. Uh, in it, Mr. Mr. Knight sets up shop in New York City again, and this time in the Midnight Mission from where he talks to locals and protects the travelers of the night in his territory. I, I'm really excited to talk about these books. There's some some really fun and interesting stuff going on here. But yep. I, I, th I think we should jump over and look at some Moon Knight news. Uh, we had episode six come out, so the entire first season is now available to stream on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so no more speculation from us as to what you might see in an upcoming episode of the TV series because the first season is done. But we did get one more QR code in episode six. It was actually in the mid-credit uh, scene um, in the Sinkevich Medical Hospital that Dr. Harrow or Mr. Harrow or Arthur Harrow or whatever kind of Harrow you want to call him uh, is is now residing uh if you were to check out the qr code it'll take you to marvel.com slash moon knight comics where you can actually read moon knight annual number one from 2019 where he fights kang the conqueror which we actually talked about uh that book in episode 23 so if you have not read that you'd like to read that i think that'll be available for a couple more days um Yep. So you have that. I really love the fact they've been doing this. That this is something that a lot of us comic fans have been asking for, and just kind of hoping that comics, you know, Marvel and DC would get around to for a long time, is actually doing this sort of cross marketing of actual physical comic books to people who they're selling their their movie tickets to and putting the shows on TV in front of. You know that why why the Flash has had seven years of being on TV, and they don't have some sort of way to, to move people back to reading Flash comics. Drives me nuts. You know, yeah. the, the Green Arrow show and, and all of those. CW's been doing that for years. We've had all these big movies from Marvel. This is really one of the first times they've made an actual pitch to get people back in to the comics and done it not really just even in a, you know, an offhand kind of afterthought manner, but something that integrates to the show. It makes it a little almost like a an interactive Easter egg. And then it mm -hmm. also is really well thought out in in terms of getting some cool stuff in front of people's eyeballs. So I really I really like that they did this. I think that yes. was a, that's been a great part of the show. So so one thing that I've been really interested in and we've talked about it in some detail was actually discussed on IGN this week. Psychologists rate season one's depiction of dissociative identity disorder. 
So we talked. We've talked about this. Marvel was very sensitive about ensuring a proper portrayal of mental health, with measures that included hiring a board-certified uh, psych- psychiatrist, Dr. Paul Purry, to work with the actors and the directors. And so IGN spoke with a number of experts on their own throughout the season and asked them their perspectives on, on what ended up actually making it into the show. And with season one concluded, they said that the experts they spoke to said that Moon Knight was indeed largely successful in their portrayal of DID. They did have some caveats, um, but overall they said they would give him a solid B plus to an A minus on how they were able to demonstrate DID to audiences. So it's nice to hear that, you know, this was something that they had set out for trying to do really bringing a an accurate depiction of this and and it seems like in, in large part they were they were able to do that yeah and i i think that it's interesting too because at the end and i, I don't know the source of it but i saw on twitter that even even afterwards diab was like you know we realize now at the end having gone through this process that there's things we probably could have done better and the like. Mm-hmm. But we, we did what we could to try and do this, obviously within the realm of fiction. Almost always everything gets a little bit distorted in terms of that. But yeah, it seems like they made a they made a good faith effort to try and make sure that the portrayal was one that didn't have negative, negative stereotypes attached to it and that treated it in a way that really was, was accurate and, and made sense. And I think it made the show stronger for it as well, because it made a lot of the moments a lot more believable. And the character really, you can you can far better understand kind of how Moon Knight's psychological problems began in the TV show than you can in the book, in the comics. In a yeah, lot yeah I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, definitely would recommend checking out this article. They go through it and talk about a lot of specifics on this. Uh, that we just don't necessarily have time to get through and get through the entire stack for this week. So definitely go check that out. Uh, There was also a story in uh, the website The Direct that talked with executive producer producer Jeremy Slater about a scrapped Eternals cameo that could have... that was actually, I guess, written... And, and at one at one stage, and but uh, never actually came to fruition. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, there there was a quote from the article that said from uh, Slater that said at one point there was a flashback on the page that sort of showed one of Khonshu's avatars back in ancient Egypt, sort of dealing with Ahmet being locked away and Alexander the Great and all that stuff. You sort of saw this Avatar team up with the Eternals. It was a really fun scene, but again, it was so massively expensive to recreate ancient Egypt and to sort of bring three or four of the Eternals to have this big action sequence. So, yeah, Yeah. price tag, I think, would have been pretty big on this sort of scene. And I actually think it's probably better without it, to be quite frank. I I don't know that, that it would have really helped, and it would have potentially taken some of the the negativity that's come from the Eternals movie in general and maybe, you know, 
sort of painted that onto the early part of Moon Knight. So I, I think it's better they just saved the money for the for the end and spent it on the on the big fight scene and call it good. So yeah, so so there's there's a little bit more specifics on this. Apparently, it was supposed to be a cold open for one of the episodes. You know, we were talking before we started recording today that, you know, based on what they would be showing, you know, Alexander the Great and that, that didn't get revealed until episode four. So I would have to have believed this would have been episode five, that this would have been the cold open for. And I think back to episode five and 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 the journey that we went through with Mark and Stephen and and the reveals and all the emotion mm-hmm. and drama that occurred there. And I'm just like, how would it have been an Eternals battle with Ahmet and Khonshu's previous avatar? How would that have helped that in any way, shape or form? And no. it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, if it, you know, maybe maybe that maybe that was in episode six though. Maybe that was why the episode six ended up being as short as it was because this this was supposed to be an extra few minutes at the beginning of the of the episode that didn't actually end up getting there. That would make some sense then to me. The thirty five minutes really bothers you. This it is, does. It it's does. It's a way it of really madness does. for you. I'm afraid is trying to somehow figure out why the last episode is so short. It just. You just have to accept it and move on, Dwayne. Yes, apparently, uh, apparently so. But <laughs> why, don't, why don't you talk to us about what's going on on the comic book front? Uh, all right. Um, we do have one book coming out next week. Just kind of remind people. We've mentioned this before. But Black, White, and Blood number one, which is that sort of different Moon Knight book. It's not the, the regular, like a new Moon Knight uh, ongoing it's a miniseries starts and that's going to have stories by Jonathan Hickman and Chris Bacallo it's going to have Mark Guggenheim and Jose Fornes um, like the Hickman story is going to be the Moon Knight of the future um, other people are telling different ones it's going to be all sorts of stuff going on in this one these are kind of books that you never really know what you're going to get it's kind of a box of chocolates type of thing so we will see but when you look at the creators on it and the fact that it's got Moon Knight, I mean, why wouldn't you get it, right? I'm going to definitely go out and, and grab a copy. I think you've got one as well. I've on, got uh, one. Order. I've got one on reserve at my comic book shop when it comes in. So I am looking Excellent. forward to getting that. And then speaking of comic book halls, did you make it down for free comic book day yesterday? You did. I did. I, I I am displaying on the camera for my co-host that I yeah. I did get uh, the three books that I was looking for to get. I got Judgment go. Day. I got Spider Man and Venom, and I got Barbaric. The uh, I was able to get three comic books, and so I I picked out the three that that I was talking about, and uh, that was it was a lot of fun. And very busy in there. They had a bunch of other. Uh, collectors that were selling some different things and 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 trading and that and the like in there as well so very packed at about three o'clock in the afternoon after i went and got to see dr strange and it was it it was it was a lot of fun there were very very busy line very there was a very long line at the checkout when i when i left 
There you go. And and we cannot talk anything about Doctor Strange because not only are there probably listeners who haven't been there, but I, my son works at a video store. He got to go to an early showing and then come home and tell me he couldn't tell me anything. And then, because he'd already seen it and he had prom all the weekend, I still have not to go, gotten to go and see no. my free viewing of Doctor Strange because he can go anytime to a movie and take one person with him. But I, uh, I have to wait until he's available. So I'm, uh, I'm a little salty on that. But we're, we're going to get there soon. Hey there, this is Dan from the Edit Booth. Just so nobody's confused. Obviously my son doesn't work at a video store. I don't think those even exist anymore. He, uh, he works at a movie theater. So there you go. Back to our, back to our regularly recorded broadcast. In any case, though, yeah, so I also went, uh, my daughter and I went in there yesterday and were able to pick up some some nice stuff. Uh, she was also able to get, uh, the year before, like during COVID, evidently, Marvel had put out these Funko Pop boxes. They were mystery okay. boxes, and uh-huh. the only ones they had sizes left in were medium, which, as we all know, almost no comic fans fit in a medium, <laughs> right? So, no. so that one had stayed evidently for a while. So we picked that up, and she got a, a Loki pop and a Loki t-shirt and a Loki variant comic book. So she was pretty pretty uh, pleased with that. But um, some neat stuff. It was, it was, as always, a lot of fun. Free comic book day is just a, a wonderful time to be a comic fan. All right, Dan, let's talk about the stack for this week. All right. So first off, never tell anyone what your plans are, because as soon as you do, <laughs> they're all going to go completely awry. So yep. I detailed this this uh, you know 12-part plan for the next few weeks. And then we read Moon Knight Volume 9, and I think both of us have found that we've got so much we want to talk about in these that getting all of them done in one week would have been prohibitive. So what we're doing actually is breaking this up, and we're going to deal with Moon Knight Volume 9, the current run, numbers 1 through 6 this week. Then next week we're going to go in, do our show wrap-up, and then the week after we're going to continue on with just the end of the Moon Knight run inserted. All right. It's uh, time to dig in. You uh, you ready to hear about the mission? Yes. By any chance? Let's, let, let's start with Book 1, The Mission. Book one, The Mission. So just to kind of, before we start that, just to bring everybody back to where we were, when last we saw Moon Knight, he was attempting to take over the world with Khonshu uh, and essentially beating down the Avengers and at the end barely escaping prison somehow because they decided it wasn't his fault or whatever. And Black Panther wanted him to join the Avengers. Instead he said, no, I'm going to go do my own thing. Well, here's when we find out what his own thing is. Right? And Kanchu got, in yeah, got incarcerated right. uh, in Asgard. Or yep, in, like, he's been imprisoned in Asgard. Correct. Yeah. So, the uh, the gang is is in a different place than they've ever really been before at this point, and we're gonna kind of see how that all works out. So, in this one, Moon Knight starts out by actually killing two vampires that have entered into his territory. Uh, but it spares four neighborhood kids who are also vampires now, but they'd recently been turned against their will. They hadn't actually killed any one of them. And one of them even notes that, you know, she was a vegan before all this happened and had no interest in, in any of this. Um, he talks about all of this to Dr. Sturman, who's his new therapist. And this is the therapist the Avengers have asked him to work with. 
Um, later on, we then go back and see him at this almost like a storefront that he's turned into a small church type thing that he calls his Midnight Mission. And he receives people there almost like a private detective where they come in and they tell him their problem and then he helps them. So an elderly woman comes in and asks him to help. Um, at which point he ends up going and finding that in her building uh, there's a Spider-Man villain named Vermin who he defeats and partially kills. Vermin can kind of like multiply himself and he kills one of them and then says, if you don't want me to kill all of you, you'd probably better get out of here. Um, one of the women he spared, then dis uh, one of the vampire ladies, the vegan, uh, decides to assist Mr. Knight at the mission. And a Dr. Bader appears to let him know that he's disappointed to see that a fellow, fellow follower of Khonshu is consorting with vampires. As this first issue then ends, a shadowy figure is kind of shown at a keyboard, sort of in, in uh, kind of half profile or whatever. And it makes it known that they're planning to make Moon Knight's life difficult in the near future. While Dr. Bader reveals that he is in fact Hunter's Moon, what he calls the left fist of Khonshu. So, all right. This is a very interesting setup for this whole, this run. And, and I have to say, it really, really worked for me. I am was really excited by that first uh, issue. It, it, we had, we had, you mentioned the, the woman vampire that decides to assist Mr. Knight. That's Reese. Uh, mm -hmm. She is, she's like the really... His only kind of person, at least in these first couple books, that he is working with. We don't see Jean-Paul. We don't see uh, Marlene or Beatrice, his daughter. We we don't see any, you know, Gina, Crowley, anybody. Yep. So this is really the only person that he has with him. And I don't know, something about this midnight mission and this like storefront thing that they did and the way he just sort of is like sitting there like a like a don and you come in and you ask for a favor it was just it, it, mm -hmm. it, it and and the fact there's something about like the artwork in these books because mr knight and moon knight just actually just kind of explode off the page they are white like completely white yep. almost like haloed white off these pages and everything else is sort of dark and and not like not like dark as in like black but just dark as in like rich in color so that white pops even more but yep. it, the just the whole setup of this i'm like this is cool. This is really interesting. The artwork is cool. It's really neat. I, I'm very curious to see where this is going. And I loved the fact that, you know, he is now basically at the Avengers-appointed psychologist person, yes. therapist person, that they want him to talk to because, because of, hey, there's consequences to your actions. Yep. That is, that is actually really interesting. And... I think that especially, you know, when I, when I have been reading these over the last few months, as they come out and the like, I liked them. But I have to say that having now, we read through everything and came back, and now having read these again, like as a group over the last week, what a fantastic series. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, is, this is just an amazing 
set of comic books. So Jed McKay has taken over the writer. Should probably give a few credits to some of this stuff we're talking about. Uh, he's done a number of things lately. And in fact, it, it seems like he's become almost my personal comic book author. Because I, I think I was telling you a few weeks ago, I wandered down to the store. I had three books in my pull list. It turned out they were all McKay books. He's writing a Magic the Gathering book. He's writing Strange, which is the new Doctor Strange book starring Clea as the Sorcerer Supreme. He's writing Moon Knight. I really like the way that he constructs stories and the way that there's a lot of action, but he's also got a lot going on sort of with the, the dialogue and the richness of sort of the way he writes it, where there's a bunch of pull quotes kind of almost from these books that I think are among the most interesting things that that Moon Knight said or that we've we've heard in in quite a while. Um, Alessandro Capuccio is an Italian artist and I agree with you. I mean, I love the fact that it's not easy drawing a main character who's got a mask on all the time. Yeah. Right? And getting the the emotion in it. It's the reason why it always drove me crazy, but in all of the Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man's always got his mask off. You know, he's supposed to be somehow or another protecting his identity, but it seems he's ripping his mask off all the time. And that's right. so that the actors can actually act rather than having this, this mask on all the time, right? But he does a great job of using, like, body posture and just various little lines on the mask and stuff like that to really get all the emotion and, and things like that out and does a spectacular job of it. Um, the rest of the people... Rachel Rosenberg is the one who's, Rochelle Rosenberg is the one that's responsible for that. I, I kind of looked through him after you mentioned it. He almost has like a halo around him a lot. He of does. Times. There's like this, this he white. He does. And that's all on her, obviously. She's doing this spectacular job of the rest of the colors are, they're very rich, but they're also muted. Right. So you get almost like this muted palette, and then you get him in white with this sort of like light bulb, kind of like a just a... Slightly incandescent light bulb effect around the Mr. Knight and the Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. And it really does make for a very cool look. So the coloring is spectacular. And then we also have Corey Petit on letters. And Tom Brevert is the primary editor on it. And everybody seems to really be on their game because these books have been fantastic. So anyhow, so that uh, that's the first one. We get a new villain slash hero slash friend slash frenemy in dr bader yeah uh, i don't know you know that we've really had a character like this almost since um since his brother went bad and became what was that the uh i can never remember the something night uh but uh we had that a little while ago but he being sort of this other fist of conchu who kind of looks at the job differently, but still they both are on the same side and trying to get things done. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I like Reese, who's the the young woman who is um, the, the vegan who becomes a vampire, now sits around his office drinking out of blood bags and, yeah. and kind of <laughs> serving as sort of a an assistant slash, uh, you know, confidant type of thing. Right. So... Yeah, it's it's a it's a cool setup, and it's a complete break in a lot of ways from what we've seen before. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. 
but almost all of the supporting characters we've known are gone, and it really is a very different time for Moon Knight. And no Kanchu either. And there is, yep. there, you know, he's still, ta- I mean, he's talking to Dr. Sturman about Kanchu and about how, you know, this is his duty, this is his job, this is what he needs to do, that he feels indebted mm-hmm. to Kanchu, but yet Kanchu's not in his ear. He's not, you know, telling no. him he needs to do this stuff. He still feels this way, even though Kanchu is is in Asgard. He's he's locked up. He's they're they're not really in any sort of communication right now. You know. Yeah, I mean the the interesting thing, you know, when when we get in it, he's lost all this stuff, and with Kanchu, it's he even talks about it that he's a high priest of a god from whom he's become estranged. But in that, it's not like he's really given up on being his priest. He's still there. It's just that at this point, Kanchu's not able to help him, and he's not even really sure exactly what his relationship is to him anymore. But right. this is his thing, this is what he does, so he's going to continue doing it. Yeah. So, so that's book one, though. We get a number of new characters, we get him in a new scenario. Also, um, having talked to my wife, who I, I realized... Uh, we don't describe visually some of this all that often. She was talking that she she'd always thought Marlene was a brunette. And I'm like, we've ne- we've never mentioned evidently yeah. her hair color the entire time. the The mission, uh, as far as as just kind of getting an idea of what it is, it looks like sort of a small storefront office type of thing. And then in the back, he's got this area that essentially has um, some e- Egyptian. Uh, ornamentation and things like right. that some, some potted plants and the like and then a desk area it, it's interesting it kind of reminded me of the office that uh murdoch and nelson share a little bit in the, yep. if i'm thinking about it from from the daredevil tv series obviously in his back room it's a bit more egyptian looking He's got this big yep. chair that he kind of sits in and that. But but just think this like real nondescript, really small sort of office thing, uh, yep. you know, but it's on a storefront. So it's like you're, you look like you're walking into a butcher's shop, but yep. there's like Reese's desk and, and it's just sort of there. And then there's a doorway to another room, which is where he's no. where he's at so it's there's not much to it. And, and in fact, there's crescent moons on the windows outside. Yep. But, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a relatively small place, but yeah. So anyways, we should probably move on right. to, uh, to book two. What, uh, you want to talk to us a little about strings? Yeah. So a man called soldier comes into the mission bleeding and asks for help defending himself from an elderly mob, which, you know, seems kind of strange. Young guy needing yep. help. After investigating, Moon Knight discovers that a custodian named Holly has gained control of the building's residence by putting his sweat in the building's water supply. Moon Knight defeats him by letting him in his head. Which, okay, cool. At which point, Holly short-circuits while trying to comprehend the craziness of Moon Knight's mind. Uh, Mark Spector... Allowing people into his mind is now a weapon. Yeah. I so was, essentially, this, <laughs> that was weird. I I was not expecting that, and no. but I guess it makes sense. 
I mean, we, we've established just how kind of crazy he is. And yep. Well, and this guy had somehow or another, his, his sweat allows him to get into people's minds and, and tell them what to do and the like. Mm-hmm. And so Moon Knight's like, yeah, come on in. You know, see see how you like it. Yeah. And once once the guy has connected to his brain, he's basically like, you know, let me let me show you something you're not used to, because essentially I have essentially the you know, the expanded consciousness of someone whose mind has been linked to a god. And yeah. he just sort of basically fries his synapses and leaves them laying on the ground kind of drooling. Yeah, so. the the panels that that show this i mean it shows this janitor holly like trying to grab for his life as this like black tar is enveloping him and and you're just like oh my god what the heck is going on here but at the same time man this is really cool yep there's a there's a big two-pager of of sort of this crazy spectral it actually kind of looks like the dc comic specter just this massive ghost-like kind of thing in his mind that comes to to take Holly, and it looks kind of like, uh, kind of like Moon Knight, and kind of like a nightmare, a little bit. Yeah. Of but so this was a, I mean, a relatively straightforward one in terms of that. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot about it that was unusual, but it was mm-hmm. just another cool look into the fact that, you know, not everything about Mark Spector is just crazy. He's got some some literal things that have happened to him with all these years hanging out with Conchu. So anything about this that was particularly interesting you wanted to, uh, just, just, visit about? just the whole letting somebody into his mind and basically using that as a weapon to defeat this guy was, was so interesting that I, I just did not, did not expect it, but I, I should, I should learn to come to expect almost anything when it comes to mark specter one comics. thing that was interesting i don't know if you saw it but there's a a point where in the the big guy is is wandering around in the in the void kind of talking to holly and he mm-hmm. talks about how um you know, he takes his weaknesses and turns them to advantages take my scars and make them my weapons and the panel that says that has these four pouches and three yeah. of the pouches have little uh almost like little sarcophaguses in them, and each one's labeled. So there's one labeled Grant and one labeled Lockley, and then there's an empty pouch where Spectre is, because that's evidently who's in, in control at the mission. And then there's an unnamed, uh, like a sarcophagus in there without a tag. Right. Yeah. So is that is that it, you just took the Spectre one, and when he came out, he put it in another one? Or is that implying there's another personality there that we're going to see soon that maybe has not yet i don't know that is that is really interesting i'm looking at that panel right now and yeah it's it i'm not sure who that is that's that's really interesting I, I guess put a, I thought we'll put a maybe, pin in that for now, I guess. But I, uh, I guess I thought maybe it was supposed to be like Moon Knight or Mr. Knight or something as that fourth one, but it's not marked that way. So yeah, it's not. I don't know. It's not. So yeah, we'll see we'll see what goes on. But other than that, this was a really just another one of those that's kind of a showing him as being a part of this community and somebody who people come to for help and, right. and how that sort of all works. 
So let's jump ahead and look at the next one. Look at that. Look at us making progress on things. Holy mackerel. We may get this done in less than three hours. So (laughs) these books are really full, people. It's gonna, it's a, it's a. So, anyways, book three is called Two Fisted. And in this one, we actually have Moon Knight talking to Dr. Sturman about the fact that he seems to have this secret adversary. Um, Also, Reese confronts him because when he gets back to the mission, she notes that there were moon darts that were actually thrown at and stuck into one of the other kids that was turned into a vampire. She's like, you know, you didn't, you said you weren't going to hurt us. Why are there moon darts in one of us, right? Um, And he's like, it wasn't me, but I appreciate you coming to me. Dr. Bader then appears, and during the fight, uh, Bader notes that they are colleagues, and he's hoping to fix what's broken in Mark Spector and bring him back to being an effective fish of Conchu. He also admits that he was the one that essentially threw the darts at, at yeah. one of uh, at- the people attacked one of the protecting, vampires, yeah. just to kind of bring him out. Uh, and he wonders why Specter doesn't have what he calls the chorus of memories and skills that are normally given to a fist during their ordination. Bader then defeats Spectre, goes to the mission to kill the vampires, but Moon Knight follows and takes him out with a bat, saving the kids and then sending him on his way. Uh, basically drags him out of the mission. Yeah. And, and threatens him too. It ends with, in my opinion, one of the coolest lines in all Moon Knight comics ever. Because after he gets done beating up on Bader, he, he drags him out by his collar and says essentially that if he comes back and hurts any of his friends, that he'll, I'll do to you like they did Osiris. They'll never find all your pieces. Which is just absolutely brilliant. Because in Egyptian lore, of course, that's what's done to Osiris is after he's defeated, they take all of his various parts and they put them in weird canopic jars and spread them across so he can never come back again. Okay. But, but so it's like, yeah. Like Egyptian mobster top, essentially. But <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do you like they did Osiris? So absolutely brilliant. Um, this was a great issue because we also start to now see that the way Mark Spector became the Fist of Conchu is evidently not standard, or that something is missing from it, mm-hmm. right? Because Bader has access to a far greater history and potentially a set of skills than Spectre does because of the fact that maybe normally a fist is going to train for a while and then they won't just be given these powers when they're lying dying in the sand but there's a a different process normally i i like this book because it, it i i really and we get to see more of reese and kind of reese is no nonsense. She pushes on Mark and is like, listen, you know, like immediately just confronts him when he walks in. He he has, I think, kind of this, uh, he's kind of agitated after talking with Dr. Sturman and he comes in and she just like right there with these darts is like, listen, yep. what the heck's going on? You said you weren't going to hurt us and, and, and now what, you know, one of my friends is dealing with these darts, you know, pulling these darts out. <laughs> And, and I just, it, it makes me think, and, and we do, of course, see it over the, over the next few issues, that, that this Reese character is going to be pretty important and, and, is, yep. and is more than just <clears throat> some, you know, 
personal assistant or, or secretary or something that, you know, I, it's not just this one dimensional character like Marlene tended to be, nope. or, or even I think like Gina ended up kind of being as well. And, and so the fact that this character is being flushed out a little bit and, and has some personality has some, you know, had, and is showing, showing something like this right away. I, I think is is really great to see, and is younger. I think that there's something to be said for the fact that, <clears throat> you know, in early Moon Knight comics, Gina is in her forties. She's got two basically grown kids. Crawley is an old guy. Marlene now has you know a kid, and and Frenchie was also somebody who was getting a little older. To bring in somebody, you know, Reese as a a younger sort of essentially new blood into the into the franchise as well as, well as I think good. So yeah. I get the impression yeah. she is like in her like early 20s probably, probably in right. like the 19 to maybe 23 range is is what I would yeah. guess as far as an age goes. So yeah, very yeah. young. And then and even at a certain point later he says something along the lines of I like you because you don't try to fix me. So she's just sort of accepting him for what he is and you know he he saved them. And now she's like, well, really don't know what else to do with my vampire life. So I guess I'll come and hang out with you because you're up all night anyways. So it fits my schedule. So why not? Um, but yeah, the, the other thing I liked about this is that McKay is actually finding ways to weave Moonlight lore into kind of Marvel's monster universe more by talking about how Bader actually became a fist as he was attacked by vampires and left for dead, and that's when Contru saved him. But that essentially, throughout the ages, that's one of the natural enemies of Contru as a protector of the night or the god of the night. Right. That, you know, the vampires are this natural predator of the night, and the fists of Contru are a natural protector of the night, which is why Bader's so angry that he does have vampires in his circle at this point. Is because he's like you're you're betraying us with the very people we specifically are are sort of you know meant to destroy or control, and so I think that's interesting because it really does bring us back into we see from the beginning werewolves and he's had one run in I think with vampires before in Jamaica or was it yeah. another one? Yeah, there was there was that one. There was the one um, that that's the only one I think of. Uh, so far where there were actual vampires but uh yeah so just that even you know that it adds another layer sort of onto the mythology i thought was pretty cool so good issue um interesting stuff and it starts to kind of develop that relationship between hunter's moon and moon knight a little better okay so let's move on no book number four title of this one's blackmail each of these has kind of their own little uh story title for the most part they're all individual stories specter starts this one by waking up in a sarcophagus which didn't really know he had that but uh, that's his thing now evidently and then heads out to go to his therapist um while that's going on we see that there's a character called rampage um he's also got other names as well um but he's somebody who's going to be uh his name's clark as well and he is going through and essentially working computer things and the like to try and find ways to hurt Moon Knight. 
Uh, eventually, he decides the plan is to take away Moon Knight's money. Uh, and as they're working on that plan, him and some mystery person on a phone, Tigra stops by the mission for a visit. Together, the two of them track, start trying to track down Rampage because he's called and essentially said that Moon Knight now needs to do everything he says or else he's going to essentially dissipate his fortune. Um, it appears that at least in the first place, the mission is to hurt bad guys, so they go along with it. Moon Knight punches up a bunch of toughs. Jigsaw is there. He says Rampage sends his regards. They have a big fight. He beats him up. Then they track down um, Rampage himself by essentially tracking this, some sort of street party that's nearby or whatever. Um, and when they get there, he's like, you can't touch me or I'll get rid of your money. And essentially, it appears Moon Knight just doesn't really care that much about his money. He's like, what's a priest need with money, right? So he punches him really hard. And then Tigra and Mark hang out at the end of the issue, sitting up on a rooftop talking about everything has gone wrong for Spectre. What's interesting is he not only talks here about why none of his other supporting cast is there, basically because he's hurt them all and, and they've all kind of taken off, but also he takes off his mask for the first time in this entire ninth volume at the end of issue four. Mm -hmm. Time has not been good to him from the looks of it. So... Is is just beaten up. Yeah, swollen, bloody, lots of scars, black and blue everywhere. It was, and it was a full page panel of just basically a bust picture of, you know, his face against this black night background. And very, very well drawn and colored. One, yep. one of like just a haunting picture almost that's how 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 badly mark looked in that picture yeah and it kind of follows up on what the therapist had been asking him earlier because she's like why is it i never see you without a mask yeah he's like well you you know you deal with superheroes you should be used to that and she's yeah but your reason for it might be different and he talks about how you know it's part of his vestments and stuff like that I do yeah. like, again, the one of the quotes is, he's like, you know, it's part of my vestments. It's whether I wear a suit or a shroud, they're both things dead people wear. And that's, you know, the when you think about kind of his internal monologue, he's, uh, he's somebody who's relatively tough on himself. But that whole idea of, you know, at some point in this, he says that he also wears the costume and the mask because when he's Mr. Knight, he's not Mark Spector. And he doesn't want to be that guy. Yeah. You know? doesn't doesn't want to look at himself in the mirror basically yep. and, and yeah yeah because because the the therapist is is pushing him she's like you're you you're evasive when you answer questions and and so this is one of the questions that she asks and she's not letting him get away with the evasive answers that he's been giving kind of through the first three plus yep. books and and, and and it's interesting that it isn't the doctor that he ends up revealing the answer to, like the honest, real answer to. It's Tigra, who apparently was one of the people that he worked with with the West Coast Avengers run way, yep, way back a while ago that that, that we didn't actually. Uh, I think go we skipped over those. Yeah. 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 So. So yeah, so they were they were old friends, and, and so and, he felt and more actually had kind of a romance going as well. 
Okay. They were, that makes uh, sense. They were a couple for a bit of it as well. So, okay. And that's that's been brought up a couple of times, I think, by in, in like passing in some of the later things as well. But yeah, so... Um, Spectre's sleeping and, in a sarcophagus? Yes, he's... He's got issues, man. There are, there continue to be issues. Although, I do love the fact that these these have returned us to a Moon Knight that is really recognizable to me. Yeah, you know, he is. He's like, here's my turf. I'm gonna defend it. It is a very Daredevil sort of feel. Like when Daredevil's got Hell's Kitchen, and that's his place, and he defends his people. Um, Moon Knight has sort of. After the whole stealing Thor's hammer and becoming, you know, the phoenix and whatever else, he's sort of like, I need to just come back down and hang out in one neighborhood and, and deal with normal human level problems for a while. Right. And so he sort of, he sort of just kind of came back down to earth a bit. And I, and I like, the, and I like these stories better as a result of it. I think these yep, are just more, well. more grounded and more interesting. Yeah, Absolutely. I would agree as well. So, all right. So the next one um, is horoscope, which uh, essentially the therapist keeps. We get her pretty much every episode for a few pages, just kind of talking, or every uh, issue for a few pages, talking about everything. Curse you, Moon Knight television show! You've got my terminology <laughs> completely off. Um, but his therapist now believes he's been lying. And that he's not dealing with the real source of his unhappiness. And these discussions then, in Horoscope, eventually lead him to admitting that his deal with Khonshu over the last however many years has just cost him everything. Um, and it's interesting because you really do start to see, like I, I noted, I think it's pages 12 through 15 of this, that are just an astonishing deep dive into the character's motivations and his trauma and all that. Um, but while this is going on, Terry, one of the, the young vampires, shows up at the mission, tells Mr. Knight and the soldier, or, or that soldier, who's the one that he saved a couple issues ago, is the one who's gunning for him. Moon Knight goes to his hideout and finds that soldier actually had connections to Hydra. There's photos of him with like a, a number of Hydra soldiers and the like. Then he goes to visit his mother to find out more. He eventually does find soldier, and he's tied up to a radiator and the building's about to explode. We find out that he wasn't really the one who was trying to cause Moon Knight trouble. He was just kind of a um, a trick that was played on him. He has to save Soldier from the bomb, and then actually, as he gets him out, the building explodes, and Terry standing in front of him pulls over a mask and announces that he's actually Zodiac. They then fight. Reese realizes things might go badly for Moon Knight. Runs to find Doctor Bader for help. Bader comes uh, in his Hunter's Moon garb disrupts Zodiac just enough that he keeps him from killing Soldier and Moon Knight, and then Zodiac gets away with an explosion of some sort. Bader takes uh, Mark Spector back and sews up his injuries, and then tells him his origin story about how he came to be a Knight of Conchu. Mr. Knight then returns to that bombed-out mission, visits with his neighbors as he walks there, kind of like as he's coming back after being healed up. He's just talking to people. Folks are like, hey, Mr. Yeah. Knight, how's it going? Um... Kind of a, a real sort of just, you know, neighborhood scene type of thing. So what do you think of this one? Did not see Terry being the the like no. big bad of this of this whole thing or the guy 
in the background that's been kind of uh, lurking and and going after after Moon Knight. But I I think yeah. the, like the coolest thing about this was that kind of walk back to the bombed out midnight mission because he's like interacting with these you know regular people that he's been helping over the you know over the last few weeks months whatever what, however long he's been doing this and and they're very appreciative they're like can we do anything for you and there's like he gets to the mission and there's like people sweeping up the broken glass and things like that they they want to help him get back on his feet so it, you you start to see that like this idea of him being this street level hero he actually does make an impact and it makes an impact for the better and and like he's not as alone as maybe he thinks he is yes and 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 i and i really really liked that i i i felt like there there's a lot of times where it just feels like mark is on an island and and he he needs these connections and like sure these people aren't going to be like the ones that go and help him defeat some big bad or something but they're just they're just there they're they're appreciative they're they they want him there which yep. which is which is something i i think that he doesn't always feel he's he's found a place where he actually kind of makes a difference and has a like a function he he has yeah. a purpose and i i agree i think that those last couple of pages were to me just very cathartic with all the crap that this character's gone through over the last however many books and years and it's always something terrible happening it yeah. just seems like in these he largely has if not brought his, you know come to terms with his demons he's got a lot of these things where he's working through them and getting control keep getting control, getting help. He's starting to build some people around him. And it was just nice, yeah, that he's, like, got a community he's a part of. He's got friends he's walking back with. He's got a place where even if it just got bombed out, he's like, yeah, we'll rebuild. This is where I am. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, we've, we've been with this character a long time now. Sometimes you just want to see him catch a break. And yeah. It would be nice for, for him to have a place you know, for a while. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. How long McKay will let him have, have a, uh, have, have a little bit of happiness. All right, Dwayne. So that's a, that's a strangely upbeat ending to a, a Moon Knight tale. Yeah. What, uh, what did you think of these stories overall? Uh, I think these are, I think this is great. I, I am, I am so happy I have this book. I am so happy I have this book. This, if this yes. is going to be the first thing that I'm going to have as like my physical collection, this is a great series. I, I've really, really enjoyed it so far. The art's been amazing. The kind of combination of psychological and and the you know physical thing that he does, you know, Mark Spector does, is great. And just like. You, you know, you're talking about the end of, of book six and just even the very last page is a full panel spread and it's Mr. Knight in the white glowing uh, suit in this blown up building saying, I'm Moon Knight. I'm not going anywhere. I just, it's such a good 
such a good start. And I hope seven through ten are as this as this good. I hope Moon Knight uh Devil's Reign is still as good and and then we've got more coming after this too. We've got a book eleven mm-hmm. this month later on and and for the foreseeable future. I don't want Jed McKay going anywhere. I want him to keep doing Moon Knight. What did what did you think? Absolutely concur. I love this series. And these these first six books just set such a nice direction for where he's going. The stories are fun. The new characters they've brought in are interesting. It's another one of those things where kind of like we've talked about before. They've just jumbled Moon Knight's life entirely and completely reset the character in a lot of ways. No Khonshu, no supporting cast that we we know. Everybody's new now, right? Because we don't have any of the Frenchie or Gina or Merlene that we've had before. But I think that this is... This is almost the first time since way back in like the end of the first series when he's getting on a plane and, and seems to have kind of come to terms with everything and he's, he's kind of, uh, it, it's a positive sort of ending. This is the first time I've had that vibe at the end of a storyline really where it's like he's almost okay. He's found a place and people and I, I love these stories. These are, these are books I would recommend to anybody. Absolutely. I, I, I'm going I'm going to suggest something here, and it's that I think the seismic kind of shift in Mark Spector in these books is as big, if not bigger, than like the seismic shift we saw with the Houston books in volume five. And it's yep. amazing. I really liked that series. But this series is just as different than its predecessors, but I like it. Uh, equally or possibly depending on how this keeps going possibly better than the than the Houston run just it, it's because there's a little less violence because there's a little bit more what's going on in his head sort of thing I just I I, I really really like it. it it's like it's taken the best of a couple different runs put them together solid storytelling and and I I can't wait yep this is also nice because with the fact that hopefully there's some interest in Moon Knight that's been generated by the TV show and the like, I think this is a perfectly good onboarding point yeah. for somebody who wants to yeah. start Moon Knight. You know, there's never there's never a bad Moon Knight comic to start with, right? But there are definitely some <laughs> that are going to be easier to kind of pick up than others. Yes. And, and I think that if you're not going back and starting way at the beginning like we did, that if somebody's interested in Moon Knight, they maybe watch the show and they pick up this comic, they're going to yeah. be a little confused why he's in New York and there's, you know, there's differences. But as a story, this is a really good point to onboard to the Moon Knight saga. If you went back and like, I want to start at the beginning of this current run and you picked up the collection, like I, the collected work like I did, or you went back and got the actual physical comics or even the digital comics for one through six, this this was a great starting point. Yep, absolutely. So, and we, we can talk about it more next week or a couple weeks from now once we've had a chance to look at the rest of the run and, and the like. But, I mean, the, 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 the short spoiler on that is that they continue to be spectacular right up to current. And so there's Sweet. there's Sweet. definitely a lot of stuff here to talk about and a lot of great stuff. And and so we have indeed, I think, spent more time 
on these six books than we've spent on any six books before. This is the first time we've ever had an episode that's talked about this few. But there's a lot of stuff in them. They really were dense and they had a lot of interesting stuff. And I love that in the current series, they're doing something this interesting with, with Moonlight. So. Def- definitely agree. There you go. So. Okay, Dwayne. So that is a little bit of our recommendation. Sound like we're both solid recommends on these. But uh, yep. you want to you take us uh, on our way into next week by any chance. Yeah, so we are looking ahead to our wrap-up shows over the, over the next couple of weeks. We'd like to hear from you, so please send us questions, comments uh, about the comic book run or the TV show uh, via email or Twitter, and we will use it if you'd like us to. Uh, definitely if, you, if you'd rather us uh, paraphrase you and not give your name or something, definitely let us know. Otherwise, we will definitely... Uh, give you credit uh, for for your information that you sent in to us, but we would love to hear from you and, and include you in our wrap-up shows over the next couple weeks. And next week is going to be the full TV show season review. Yep, absolutely. So that'll be interesting. We get to take a look at all six episodes and see kind of what's there. We've gotten a number of responses from some of our correspondents about what they think of the show. And so we'll be incorporating them and then taking kind of a larger look at what we uh what we thought about this season and then also maybe talk a little bit about where things could go from here so yeah looking forward to re- listening to the or watching the episodes again and then getting it together and talking about everything kind of as a as a whole now as opposed to bit by bit no nope. We'd like to thank you again for joining us this week. We'd love for you to stick around as we conclude this journey on the story of Moon Knight. We'd recommend that you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice so you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. If you've already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. It will help others find the show. You can send us questions or feedback to the show via email at Address is questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media, you could do that on Twitter. We are at phasesofmk. All right. This has been a lot of fun. I, uh, I really enjoyed talking about these books and, and reading them again. So excellent stuff. Looking forward to uh, more TV and then to getting back into more of these in a couple of weeks. So have a great one, Dwayne. Yep. Take care, everybody. Yep. See you later, folks. <laughs>